hair on fire, but it's okay. I'm okay. Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, every episode exactly 20 years after its original air date, and this being November 16th, that means we are talking about the episode The Initiative. So, um, first, I have to say, I'm sorry I didn't get to mention it in the last episode, but the last episode and this episode and every episode from now on are going to have the gorgeous, wonderful theme song written by my Michael. So, um, he's been working on it while I have been recording the show for, like, pretty much the entire season four. Like, he'll be in the other room working on it. And I never, you know, he's, he's very particular. He like wanted it to be just so, so I didn't know when he was going to get it done. Um, so I actually didn't know that he would had it done, um, last week until after I had finished recording. So that's why I didn't mention it last week, but I went ahead and edited it, edited it in because, you know, you guys had to hear it as soon as possible. So I'm really proud of it. Um, for those of y'all that listen to both my podcast and the Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast, it's, it's interesting that like, he's never heard their theme song until I played it for him last week, (laughs) but he had already finished the theme song and it has a similar feel to it. It's a much more ambient version of, um... But I just thought that was interesting that, like, you might think, if you listen to both those podcasts, you might think that he was inspired by their theme song, but he had never heard it when he made that. (laughs) Um, I love it. It's the howl at the very beginning is our dog Xenon. Um, And I'm just so happy to finally have it. Like, I've been hounding him to make me a theme song for, like, ever since I started this project. And, you know, you can't, you can't rush it with him. (laughs) So it has finally happened, um, and I'm I'm really glad that you guys get to hear it forever and ever. I hope you love it. So I had to mention that. So it is um, evening again, like usual. I'm doing another candle lit, as you could probably guess, because I set my hair on fire. <laughs> I decided to bring more candles into the room this time, so it would be a little bit easier for me to read my notes. Because last week I only had like two or three candles in here. And now I have three, four, five candles in here. So it's nice. It's a nice ambiance going. Also, one of my candles is a Buffy Saint candle. If you didn't know that this thing exists, there's this awesome artist that has all these different pop culture figures um, made into like, you know, prayer candles. I call them saint candles, but you know, the like $2 candles that you can get at the grocery store that have Jesus and Mary on them. Um, she makes those, but with pop culture figures. So she has one for Buffy and it says our lady of protection and it has little bunnies on it and flowers and steaks and bats. And it's super cool. Um, so if you're interested in that last craft, last craft designs, I think is the dot com probably, but just, you know, Google last craft designs. She has like all kinds of like 
she has one for Shirley Manson that I would really love to have. They're kind of expensive. It's like $18. But whenever I burn those candles down, I just fill them back up again with other candles. So, you know, I'll be using this Buffy candle forever. The jar part anyway, you know. At the very least, you know, you can keep incense in those little holders afterwards. Anyway, they have like a Shirley Manson. They have, she has a Kate Bush one. She has um, Robert Smith. <laughs> it's just, it's so fun. Um, I'd love to have more of those someday. But um, anyway, I just wanted you guys to know that I have Our Lady of Protection. I'm looking at Buffy's face right now. I don't know why I didn't burn this candle last week, but I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I had one of the candles like right next to my notes while I was reading them before I started. <laughs> And that's how I set my hair on fire. It didn't actually like go up in flames. It just kind of singed the end really quickly. Ah, <laughs> uh, you guys, I am kind of a candle whore. I have always been a candle whore. I have set my hair on fire many times in my life. Many, many. <laughs> okay. Um, I sound kind of delirious, but I actually haven't started drinking yet. However, I have a shot ready to go because you know, it's Saturday night. I'm sitting in a small closet surrounded by candles talking into a tape recorder. You guys know what that means. It means it's time for a shot of whiskey. I'm taking my shot of whiskey out of a beautiful little cactus shot glass. So cheers. Ah, okay, let's get started. So we're talking about Buffy episode, The Initiative. We're going to have a little coda talking about the bachelor party of Angel. I'm just going to go ahead and start out by saying, I don't like either of these episodes. I don't like this Buffy episode, and I don't like the Angel episode. So we're going to get through it, though. Here we go. So, okay. The episode begins. The very first thing you hear out of anyone's mouth is Riley's friend, Forrest, which is like one of the only black characters in the show Buffy ever, is painted as a huge douchebag. From the very beginning, I think this is the very first, we may have like seen him in the background or something, but I think this is the first time we've heard him speak in this episode. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth, the first words said in this episode are, women, young, nubile, exciting. Like who says the words nubile? Who says nubile, like an actual conversation? Nobody, Forrest, nobody. My mom was like, I don't know if I want to listen to this episode this week because you're going to be so angry because <laughs> this whole episode is just like somebody's weird imitation of how guys talk. And it is, I have been pretty protected in my life because I am an extremely strange person and I surround myself by extremely strange people and I have only ever dated extremely strange people and I, I've dated some assholes. In fact, three out of four were assholes. However, only one of them was, was an asshole in like the traditional sort of frat boy sense that the sort of vibe that you get in this episode and it was awful i felt like so victimized by like being around this guy and his friends you know 
You know, in, if you've seen the movie Midsummer, one of the things I think that movie did well was portray how the, the main character felt very ignored by her boyfriend and sort of bullied by him. He like bullied her sort of passive aggressively while he was with his friends in this very specific way that I think any woman can, that dates men can relate to. Um, and I just, I felt very seen by that. And this episode kind of reminds me of that kind of bullshit because there are so many conversations between men in this episode of like, especially it's mostly forest, just like objectifying women and Riley mostly refusing to join in on that. And then we get some real gross shit from Parker. I think this is the last time we see Parker. Anyway, let's just talk about my notes. Um, I did kind of like when, so Forrest is essentially just like, they're in the cafeteria, they see Buffy from across the room and Forrest is like, you know, what do you think of her? What do you think? She's, she's a hottie with a body. And she doesn't, he doesn't actually say that, but, um, and Riley's like, I don't know. I haven't thought about what I think of her. And Forrest says, a girl that cute in the face. <laughs> so I just kind of like the phrase, a girl that cute in the face that cute in the face. Um, and he says, I don't know, she's kind of peculiar. I just, Buffy's in the background in the scene, just doing all this crazy clumsy shit. And like this whole Buffy is clumsy thing is not, it's never really been a thing. It doesn't really continue to be a thing. Like every once in a while they decide to like make her clumsy for a second for some reason. And it's inexplicable to me. Like, sure, it's always cute when somebody's clumsy, but it doesn't make any sense with Buffy's character. She's not clumsy. That's not been her thing. Like, in the background, she's, like, you know, breaking the handle on the, like, Froyo machine and um, dropping her ice cream on the floor and just all this crazy shit. I feel like this scene alone was the inspiration for the character Bella Swan in the Twilight series. <laughs> It's like, what is happening here? Um, let's see. So Riley calls Buffy peculiar. Um, and then at one point, Forrest refers to her as mattressable. Okay. Spike is in a lab prison. So he wakes up in the initiative bright lights. He's stuck in a in a containment. Um, it was pointed out by the Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast that this looks like it might have been the inspiration for the containment cells of all the like different horror monsters in Cabin in the Woods, which is a movie written by Joss Whedon. And that kind of tracks. It does look like that same sort of like there's all these different types of demons and vampires stuck in all these different little containments. Um, Giles and Xander, um, they're just sort of like hanging out at Giles's house and Giles is, um, drawing a little picture of, um, the, the initiative guy because Buffy described him to her and, um, he shows the picture to Xander and is like, I like it. The latest in fall fascism. So I had to write that down. Minty mug sighting. Giles is drinking with this minty mug in the scene. 
Um, Buffy comes over for like half a second just to tell them that she's going to a party tonight and she's taking Willow and they can deal with any patrolling tonight. She just basically tells them you're going to patrol tonight. Like I'm not fucking with that shit because I got to cheer Willow up. Um, I started to worry that this episode doesn't pass the Bechtel test when I was watching it the first time the other night because it's just like so many scenes in this episode are just like Riley and Buffy talking, Riley and Willow talking, Spike and Willow talking, um, Professor Walsh and other men talking, um, bunch of gaggles of men talking about women in a really objectifying way. But it does pass the Bechdel test a couple of times. Like Buffy doesn't really talk to Willow at all in this episode, except one tiny conversation when, um, two tiny conversations, one where Buffy is like another klutzy moment in class where like her pen is exploding and Willow says something to her about ballpoint pens are tricky. And then there was another moment when they first arrive at the party where, you know, Buffy kind of says to her, we can go if you don't want to be here. And she's like, no, it's fine. I'll go get a drink. I'll meet up with you in a minute. And that's it. Those are the, oh, and when Buffy kind of yells at Professor Walsh for a second. Those are the only times that an episode based on a hero that is a woman passes the Bechtel test. That's pretty fucking sad. Um, especially in comparison to uh, just, yeah. Anyway. So, okay, let's get back to my notes because I'm just going to be like in a rant the whole time if I don't like focus on my notes. <laughs> Although my notes are all just rants too. <laughs> Um, we go back to check in on Spike and like a little blood bag drops into the room and he starts to like bite into it because he looks like he's really thirsty. He looks like he's hungry. His, his lips are all chapped and he's pale and he's got extra, extra red eyeliner around his eyes. Um, <laughs> and some, some, a voice from like the cell next to him is like, don't drink that. It's drugged. Um, so he's talking to that guy for a second. And then we get the quote. I think this is going to be the quote of the episode because the other quote is too long. And I'll read that because I actually wrote it, transcribed it all down later. But then we get what I think is going to be the quote of the episode. Um, something like the other guy brings up Buffy somehow. I don't remember how it happens. But Spike says, I always wondered what would happen if that bitch got some funding. <laughs> I love that. Um, then there's the scene at the end of class when, um, Willow goes up to Riley and says, you didn't call, this is like the only time I think we hear Oz's real name, full name, which is Daniel Osborne. So she says, you know, you missed a name and Riley says, well, he's not in this class anymore. Um, he, I, I heard he dropped out of school and she, she gets really upset by that and he looks sympathetic and Professor Walsh is like, your friend's wasting our time. Um, even if he does come back, like don't have him come back to this class and blah, blah, blah. And she's just mean to Willow, just kind of like, you think your exception is exceptional and blah, blah, blah. And she's just kind of super stern to her, not, not realizing that Willow is in pain. And, um, 
Buffy goes up to her afterwards and she's like, you know, for someone that teaches human behavior, you might want to try some or something like that. I didn't write down the exact quote, but, um, so she stands up to Professor Walsh and defends Willow. And, um, as soon as she leaves the room, uh, Professor Walsh says to Riley, I like her. <laughs> so that's nice. I am a little sad that like, did they, I wonder if they did this on purpose. I feel like, and y'all know I'm going into this this time around. I'm really trying to be open-minded about Riley. I'm, you know, I think that he is the, the most sane, healthy option of boyfriend that Buffy ever tries to go out with. But I just, did they mean to we'll get more into that in a second, but did they mean to, to cast Professor Walsh, um, and Riley Finn as looking so much alike? I feel like they have the same haircut. They are both have like sort of this athletic boringness as a look. Like, were they doing that on purpose? Because they just, they really look like, you know, mother and son to me or something, you know, they just look so alike. I don't like it. I think the choice in casting for both of them wasn't the best. Um, I, I have nothing against Mark Lucas who plays Riley. It's just me being a spectacularly strange person that is drawn to other spectacularly strange people. He's just not interesting to me to look at. And Professor Walsh, um, I, f I don't know the actors, Lindsay Krauss or something, I think is the actress's name. Um, she's not interesting to me either. Like, I don't think she's super, maybe they just didn't give her enough to do. It might not be her fault, but like, I feel like when we eventually discover that she's bad, like, was anybody really that disappointed? You know, in the past, I've heard, you know, like a lot of people really hate season four. And when I think back on it, I think, you know, there's so many good episodes in season four, but you know what? It really was kind of, kind of all over the place. As far as the overall arc of season four, it probably is the worst season, but you know, there's still a lot of fun episodes. Next week, the Thanksgiving episode is really funny. I remember anyway and then we've got something blue which is also funny and then I think the only episode we'll get to talk about in December is Hush which is you know arguably one of the top five I mean most people don't argue most people would call Hush one of the top five episodes of the whole show the entire show my very favorite episode of Buffy ever is Restless which is in season four um so anyway it's, this episode is so bad, guys. It's just so bad. Okay. Giles rejects Xander's Doritos. I just, okay, I know I always say this, but Anthony Stewart Head and what he does with props is just constantly brilliant. It just never disappoints. Like, they're in Xander's basement because he's going through a bunch of, like, weapons and military stuff. Like, why does he have all that shit? Like, I know he has some knowledge from that time that he got turned into a soldier on Halloween, blah, blah, blah. But why would he have all that stuff? Like he wouldn't be allowed to have all that stuff. 
he's a civilian, even if he has memories of being a soldier that aren't real. He's a civilian. Why does he have all that shit? But anyway, he's going through a bunch of like, you know, guns and I don't know other stuff with Giles because they're going to patrol tonight and look for the, the initiative soldiers guys, which they don't know that they're called that yet. I keep saying it, but they don't know. Um, and in the background, like while Xander is talking, Giles like picks up a bag of Doritos and he takes a chip out and puts it in his mouth and he just kind of like looks at the chip bag and then sets it down like, oh God, that's terrible. <laughs> but he doesn't say anything. And it's just, I love it so much. Like Giles is always eating or just doing something weird. He's just always like cleaning something or it's not even always his glasses. Like you think of Giles as always cleaning his glasses. He doesn't actually do it that much. Like one of the times I was, I was, um, doing a Buffy rewatch and I was writing in my blog about it. Mixtressray.com. I probably most of those, I mean, that was like eight years ago when I did that Buffy rewatch that I blogged about. It's probably not super awesome. But, you know, that was a long time ago. But I was trying to count. I was counting how many times Giles got knocked out during the series. I think the total was 10 or 11 at the end of the series. So it really isn't that much, even though we think about that as happening a lot. Um, Giles cleaning his glasses. I was keeping count of that for a while. And that doesn't actually happen that much either. It's just that's one of the things that he sometimes does because he's always doing something with his hands. And I just think it's so cool. Anyway, um, <laughs> Xander's mom offers them uh, fruit punch and, G and Giles wants to know if it's raspberry fruit punch. <laughs> He's very interested. Um, my next note is Parker. This is like, okay, so we know that Parker is a manipulative douchebag, but we don't know until this moment how terrible he is. In this moment, Parker says the worst shit. So at one point he's like, the word is, so they're asking him like, cause they know that he dated Buffy for a second. And so they're asking Parker, like, what do you think about Buffy? What do you think about Buffy? And, um, Forrest and Graham and Riley. And she's like, he's like, well, the word is stamina she's a bunny in the sack, but, and he starts talking about how she's whiny and clingy and blah, 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 blah. Um, and that's all shitty enough, but then he makes a joke comparing, like, what's the difference between freshman women and a toilet seat? A toilet seat doesn't, like, call you after you use it or something. I don't remember the end of the joke, but it's just terrible, awful, literally comparing women to objects like a toilet seat. Like, I just, like, this doesn't seem to be, like, nobody likes Parker. We, we hate Parker. We love seeing him get knocked out. Um, but this seems, like, really over the top. I don't know why the writers thought that they had to do this. Um, who's the writer of this episode? I feel like it was, I read it and it was like a name that I didn't even recognize. So it's not somebody that regularly writes for Buffy. I don't think. Let's see. Douglas Petrie. No, he does write for Buffy 
often and directed by James Contner, who directed more episodes of Buffy than like I think even Joss Whedon did. Anyway, that was just awful. But of course, Riley punches him, knocks him out. I'm pretty sure it's possible we see him in the background in future episodes. I don't remember, but I think that's the last time we ever, ever, ever have to see Parker. That's definitely the last time he has a speaking part ever. Um, so yay for that. And then after punching Parker, that suddenly makes him realize that he likes Buffy because Forrest is like, why'd you do that? You know, I've said way worse things and you don't punch me or something like he says something to that effect. And Riley's like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Why would I do such a thing? Why would I punch someone for saying completely regular, terribly sexist and misogynist shit? I don't know. Maybe it's because I like her. So he suddenly realizes he likes her and they're all like, duh, you called her peculiar. Of course you like her. Um, and it's just funny that like the music that they start playing is so fucking cheesy. As soon as he like says, well, I guess I like her. And then he says, I guess I'm going to go see a girl. So like immediately two seconds after he realizes that he has a crush on Buffy, he goes to find her to talk to her. I kind of like that sort of level of directness you know the second you realize you have a crush on someone you're gonna just not even hesitate just go ahead and go for it i i admire that uh, you know i'll give him that spike punched somebody that really needed to be punched and now he's just gonna go directly whatever i mean he does just find willow and talk to her instead but let's see next note spike gets out um i like his when he's like leaping through the gates right before they close it just he, he looks like a dancer when he does it i just enjoyed that little moment <laughs> i had to mention it um so riley goes to buffy's dorm room but willow is there instead of buffy and so he decides to talk to her um and then willow says this i wrote down the entire monologue so i'm going to say it Say that I help. You start a conversation. It goes great. You like Buffy. She likes you. You spend time together. Feelings grow deeper. And one day, without even realizing it, you find you're in love. Time stops. And it feels like the whole world's made for you two and you two alone. Until the day one of you leaves and rips the still beating heart from the other, who's now a broken, hollow mockery of the human condition. And Riley says, yep, that's the plan. I love that. I love it. Um, and then he goes on to say, I've never courted anyone like Buffy before. So points for Riley for saying the sentence, I've never courted anyone like Buffy before. <laughs> um, okay. So the moment in the episode, that is the best moment of the entire episode. If I had, you know, if that was one of the things that I voted on best moment of the episode, this would be it. Harmony hanging up a unicorn poster while listening to cheesy pop music in her little dungeon or wherever the, her crypt or wherever she is. I love it. It makes me incredibly happy. I rewound it a couple of times when I watched it again a minute ago. Just, there's just something so, so simple, so pure, so right about a super cute girl hanging 
a unicorn poster in her crypt. Super cute girl vampire hanging unicorn poster in her crypt. I just love it so much. So we see Harmony. This is where we get the outfit of the episode. It was really the only choice, which um, Harmony is wearing. She's wearing this sheer black top with like a black tank top underneath it. Um, and it's like kind of gathered at the neck. So it's just, and sort of has belly, kind of bell sleeves, not like super exaggerated, but just flowy and beautiful black sheer top. And she's wearing like red, I don't think they're vinyl, but they're like tight canvassy punk. Like I think it even had like little black zippers on it, kind of pants. And she was also wearing red shoes that were like the exact same shade of red as her pants. And then later we see her in the same outfit. She's also wearing this gorgeous like fuzzy trench coat black trench coat over the whole thing and she just looks great she also has her hair oh my god whoever's doing hair on Buffy right now is doing a great job her hair is in this like gorgeous like basket weavy type pattern with all these different elastics and it's just fucking cool it is so fucking cool I wish I had the patience to do that kind of shit with my own hair because I have hair down my freaking waist I could do all kinds of weird ass shit with it if I had the time and talent and patience. Um, I might have the time, but I don't have the talent or patience. But anyway, um, it looks so good. And my mom's like, how did she do that? Who did that? <laughs> like she doesn't even have a reflection. How did she do that to her hair? <laughs> it would have been hard for anyone to do that to their own hair, but especially someone that does not get to look in a mirror. <laughs> But anyway, Harmony looks fucking great and she's hanging up unicorn posters and then Spike shows up and he's like acts like he wants to be with her again, but really he just wants somewhere to stay and he calls her his little foam latte and mon petit creme brulee, which is cute. Um, and then at one point, he, and then he just immediately starts, okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna do whatever you want to do. We're gonna go wherever you want to do go, but first... I need to kill the Slayer. And Harmony's just like immediately annoyed. Like, why are you talking about her right now? And he says, and she says, Spiky, let's leave the Slayer alone. You know she'll only slap you around, and I can do that. <laughs> so, just great little moment from Harmony. Um, then we go back to Giles and Xander. They're out like patrolling, hunting, looking for the initiative guys, whatever they're doing. And Xander is in like full camo gear and he's got his binoculars and he's saying all kinds of weird dramatic shit and like he goes on and on and on and then <laughs> Giles just says oh shut up <laughs> and it's great um, so then we arrive Buffy and Willow arrive at the party which happens to be at Riley's house um, because he's in a frat and um, Willow goes up to Riley and she's like, and she's has very specific details about Buffy's outfit. She's like, she's wearing a halter, but sensible shoes. That means dancing, but no heavy conversation or something like that. And, um, and then she says, and remember, if you hurt her, I will beat you to death with a shovel. A vague disclaimer is nobody's friend. Have fun. And then she like pats him on the shoulder. Um, 
then we get okay other great moment in the episode like this is not one that I'll put in the vault and never ever ever watch again because of the moment of Harmony hanging up a unicorn poster and the moment of Harmony and Xander like slap fighting and pulling each other's hair in slow motion it is amazing it is wonderful and it makes sense to me because in my mind you know like Xander and Harmony have gone to school together for who knows possibly since they were children it's possible they've been going to school together I mean Sunnydale's a small town they've probably been going to school together since like elementary school they know each other you know even if they were never friends they know each other like Harmony doesn't want to hurt Xander and Xander is incapable of hurting Harmony so it's just cute that they just have like that little slap fight and they're like pulling each other's hair and it's just it's a good moment and we can definitely appreciate good moments in an episode that overall sucks um so we go back to the party Riley is sitting on the couch next to Willow because he's struck out like he he talked to Buffy for like a second and he just sort of talks about the reading in class and offers her cheese because Willow said she liked cheese earlier um when they were talking at the dorm I really like the moment I'm giving Riley points again for the moment when he so a Dingo's Ate My Baby song comes on on the tape that the DJ's playing at the party and you know Willow immediately gets upset and Riley immediately notices that Willow was upset and he's like what's wrong associations and then just immediately he calls across the room like AJ and like cut it and turns the music off immediately and um Willow's like go talk to Buffy I'm gonna go home blah 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 and Riley's like are you sure I mean do you want to talk so he's he notices that Willow is going through something obviously he notices because he had to save her life in the last episode but he notices that she's going through something and he wants to be there for her and that is more you know emotionally sensitive than most men are in regular life so points for Riley on that one then um, Buffy leaves with Xander because Xander comes to because you know Harmony drops something about Spike and so Xander knows that Spike is after her and um, but Spike's always after her so like why is this urgent I don't know but he goes to find Buffy and takes her away from the party as Riley's trying to talk to her. And then Riley and his other boys go into the, they have like a retinal scan thing inside an elevator in their house and turns out the whole initiative is underneath their house. And, um, it's a whole thing you know whatever like this is not a reveal to me because this is not the first time I'm watching this and I'm assuming anyone listening to my podcast they've also seen it many times as well so it turns out they're needed um, professor Walsh says hostile 17 escaped so we now know that spike is referred to as hostile 17 by the initiative people and we know that Walsh is in charge now um, so and then we find out that Riley is kind of a big deal like he's Riker or something to Professor Walsh's Jean-Luc Picard 
Um, and they go, so they all head out. Um, Riley just sort of like, you know, they're all going to find Spike. Um, Xander refers to Riley as Teutonic boy toy. Um, and then at one point they see Buffy out because Buffy has decided that she's just going to make herself bait. If Spike is after her, she's sick of his shit. She's just going to stake him tonight. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> she's like, I'm sick of his shit. Um, I'm just going to go sit on a park bench and wait for Spike to find me. And then Riley sees her from afar and Forrest suggests that they use her as bait. Um, like, well, you know, they're both looking, both Buffy and them are looking for Spike and he's like, well, who else would want, who else would, I mean, or what does he say? He says something like, if you were, I don't know, whatever, if you were a vampire, wouldn't you want that? And like refers to Buffy and more points for Riley. He says, you want to use the girl I have a crush on as bait? Denied. And he pulls rank. He's like, no, I'm not even going to think about that. We're not doing that. No. So then he like changes his clothes to get into regular plain clothes and goes to talk to Buffy to try to get her out of there. And this is where Riley loses all the points. He tries to grab Buffy. He's just trying to like walk her home or some shit. And he's being real weird and pushy and he tries to grab her and like, you don't know what kind of weirdos are out here tonight. I need to walk you home. Blah, blah, blah. Um, she says she needs space emotionally. He tries to grab her. Then he does grab her because she sits down on the bench. She's like, no, go away. I'm going to stay here because I want to leave me alone. Go away now. And he like lunges towards her to like grab her by the shoulders and she's not having it at all. And at one point she says, you think boys can take care of themselves and girls need help? And he says, well, yeah. She's like, how Teutonic? <laughs> um, she doesn't actually prickle as much as you would think that she would by a statement like that. I mean, that to me, all the points I've been given Riley up to this point, all of them, I've been like on board with Riley until this moment. I don't think he ever says anything this sexist ever again. I really don't. Like, I know he kind of has like a moment where he like feels like his masculinity is called into question when he realizes that Buffy is way stronger than him and blah, blah, blah. But I think that is pretty normal. I think a normal boy realizing that his girlfriend is a fucking badass is a thing that any guy in our society is going to have to reckon with because toxic mas masculinity is, well, toxic. So, I mean, obviously we'll deal with those situations when we get there, but I don't think he's ever been a sexist. I know he hasn't ever been a sexist up until this point, until this moment, and I don't think that he will be again. So this pisses me off, of course, all the ranting. Um, next Spike, Spike shows up because he, he like looked Buffy up on the computer, how he knew how to do that. I don't know, but he found out what dorm she was in. Who knows what computer he was on, how the fuck he figured that out. I don't know. They just kind of show him sitting at a computer somewhere and he finds out that her dorm room is number 214. So she goes, he goes there and Willow just invites him in because 
you know, he just like knocked on the door and she just said, come in because she's been so depressed throughout the whole episode. She's just laying on her bed, listening to sad music, which seems legit. I mean, after a breakup, that's what you're going to do, right? You know, seems normal to me. She's not calling vengeance demons to her or anything yet. Um, and then Spike does some bullshit. Like this episode is just real misogynistic, real sexist. It is just infuriating. So Spike starts like trying to feed on Willow, but he can't because he's got the chip now. And this is the first time we're seeing it in action. He mentions that he's 126 in the Nikki Stafford, um, episode guide. She talks about like, there's some discrepancies with that. Like he mentions that he's 120, like a year from now we find out that like, we found out like the exact date in fool for love, I think, um, that he got turned into a vampire. So I don't know. There's some discrepancies like any, anytime they mention how old spike is, it's apparently different numbers. But in this moment, he says he's 126. Um, this, this part bugged me too. So the initiative, they, they have like some sort of heat sensing gun and they find out that that spike is in, or they know that is, it is a vampire at least that is in the dorm room with Willow. I mean, they don't say Willow exactly, but you know, they see him as being a room temperature person inside a building full of people that are all 98.6 degrees. So they go in and they initiate some sort of lockdown, which means that all the locks inside the dorm automatically lock. So Willow's trying to get out at that exact moment and she can't get out because the door locks and they also cut all the power. So all the lights turn off and all the locks lock. And I just think that's crazy that that would, they would have that kind of power. There's this whole, like I skipped over it, but there's this whole like impotence joke situation going on because Spike keeps trying to bite Willow, but he can't because of the, the pain. And they just make a parallel between that and like not being able to get it up that whole thing. Um, which is slightly funny, but not really. It's kind of stupid. But the part about this scene that I really did enjoy was, you know, Will is in a bad place right now. So she says some silly shit in this scene. You know, she's not, she doesn't have a huge survival instinct at the moment. So it's understandable that kind of the way she's acting. But one of the things she does is, well, I get it. I mean, you, you came here to bite Buffy and then you settled like, you know, Nobody really wants me. And Spike immediately flips a switch and goes into comforting mode. And this is one of the reasons why we like Spike, right? Because, you know, he sees some sort of like mental unrest. And if he sees mental unrest in like any woman, he's going to comfort them and he's going to be emotionally sensitive to them. He's going to be like more uh, perceptive than you think that he possibly could be. He's, he has a lot of emotional intelligence. Um, he may not all really put it into action for himself, but he's very nurt. We've seen him be super nurturing towards Drusilla. And this is kind of the very first time we've ever seen him be super nurturing to anyone other than Drusilla in this moment. He's being caring towards Willow. 
by just reassuring her that like she is worthy of attraction. I mean, it's, it's the most mundane thing, but it's a sweet moment and I like it. So there you go. Um, and this is pretty much the end. So like the initiative, like come in, Spike escapes through the window after some fighting crap happens. It's really terrible fight scene. It's just super unorganized. Buffy shows up, she's kicking ass, but like they're all blinded by the flare gun that Xander gave her earlier. Um, I, and so like Buffy and Riley are directly fighting each other, but neither of them realize who the other one is, which I call bullshit, but whatever. We're supposed to think that they're both like blinded and they can't see what they're doing. Um, whatever. Um, and then the very last scene is like, the next morning, Riley and Buffy are, he catches up to her and he's wearing fucking cobalt blue. So gross. <laughs> then Cordelia wears cobalt blue later or in the, in that angel episode as well. And I'm like, what? She looks way better in it, but it's just such an ugly color. I don't like it. It's like cerulean or something. No offense to anyone that enjoys that color because you know, you do you don't listen to me. I just don't get that color personally personally. I just have an aversion to it. Seriously. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I just, yeah. Riley is like, who, who is in charge of costuming right now? Because like, no, they're not doing it right for like anybody except Harmony <laughs> right now. Although Buffy did look cute. She looks cute in a halter. Like give her an open back anytime. She looks great. Um, I guess I mean, Spike is the same outfit he always wears. Anyway, um, so the very last scene is just Riley and Buffy kind of like walking across campus, kind of having a little conversation because he knows that he likes her now, so he's going to seek her out at every opportunity. And um, at one point he says, did Willow tell you I like cheese? <laughs> and Buffy just says, you're a little peculiar. And Riley says, I can live with that. So that's the, that's the last word spoken in the episode and they just sort of walk off together and it's cute. So, I mean, like overall though, in like an episode that's 42 minutes long or whatever, like how much of this episode was fun? Um, when Spike comforted Willow, when Buffy told off Professor Walsh, when Riley punched Parker, when Harmony hung the unicorn poster when Harmony and Xander had the slap fight. So, I mean, I guess there's probably a good five to seven solid minutes of enjoyable content in this episode, but overall, I don't like it. So, um, let's go ahead and get into the ratings. How about that? Um, object of the episode, I'm going to go with, writing it right now, unicorn poster. I actually, like, a friend actually gave me a unicorn poster, <laughs> um, but I didn't really like it. I, it can't be just, like, any unicorn poster, but I think I need a unicorn poster. If it's the right one, I would hang one in honor of Harmony in my house. Outfit of the episode, like I already said, it's Harmony's black sheer top with her, um, like, punk red canvas pants with her red shoes and her fucking hair and 
the red, I couldn't really see the red boots, but they were just sort of, they were the exact same shade as her pants and they were just sort of like, you know, chunky, chunky heels like was the style back then. Let's go back to that, okay? Chunky heels are much easier to walk in than stilettos, okay guys? Um, I guess stilettos really aren't that popular right now. Thank God. Okay, quote of the episode. We're going to go with, I always worried what would happen if that bitch got some funding. We're going to go with that because it's um, a lot easier to say than Willow's huge monologue about people cutting out the still beating heart of the other. MVP of the episode. That's a good question. Riley punched Parker. That was great. But he canceled out all of his good deeds by thinking that women need help and men can take care of themselves. Um, Giles did tell Xander to shut up and he drew a nice, accurate drawing of an initiative soldier. Um, plus he had his minty mug. <laughs> uh, God, who's MVP of this fucking episode, guys? Let's give it to Harmony. I'm going to give it to Harmony because she delighted me the most out of this entire episode. So it's her. It's her. Okay. Then we have the five by five ratings. Treatment of women in this episode is our first score always. It was the worst since I, I mean, like in the first like season or so, I was using a different metric for the first score of the five by five ratings. So it's possible there have been other episodes that have treated women worse than this one, but so far that I've been doing that particular score, I don't think there's been an episode that's been more objectifying towards women than this one. I mean, it's just a, a handful of conversations of dudes objectifying women in different ways. And it's, I mean, I think we were supposed to see that Riley wasn't engaging in that, but to show that someone's a good guy by showing him not engage in terrible conversations with his bros, that's just a really lazy way to show that. I don't like it. So I'm going to give it a, I can't give it a zero because It's not the worst thing I've ever seen, so I'll give it a one. <laughs> as far as overall enjoyability of the episode, like I said, I really don't like it that much. So I'm going to give it a... Uh, but it's not as bad as, like, the pack. Although, the pack might be a more enjoyable episode than this one. Even though I fucking hate it. I mean, there were good moments. I'll give it a two. I'll give it a two. So it gets this episode overall one times two equals two. Okay, let's talk about the angel episode. I have two tiny little pages of notes. So the angel episode was called The Bachelor Party. And the whole premise here is that Doyle's wife shows up. None of us knew he had a wife, but, um, she, they're estranged, they're separated, 
and she shows up to ask for an official divorce because she wants to marry this demon guy and um, it's this whole plot point of like the reason why he, her and Doyle split up is because um, she couldn't accept that he was half demon but that wasn't actually the situation she actually could accept it it's just that Doyle wouldn't he obviously has a problem being himself he hasn't even told Cordelia that he's half demon it's a secret he hides it from her even in fights he's stronger as the demon if he lets the demon out but he won't let the demon out because he is ashamed of it you know it's this whole like kind of coming out narrative thing sort of he hides that part of himself sorry I need a drink of water I don't fucking care about, about Doyle though, guys. I really don't. So let's just get through my notes. Um, and then it turns out that like the demon clan, um, that is the new guy, which was also the, the guy that was the demon in the first episode of season three of Buffy. He was like the leader of the hell dimension. Um, so he's, you know, you just know by seeing him that he's going to be a bad guy. <laughs> you just know immediately and he was so they had like his particular demon clan they if they're going to get married to someone that has previously been married then they have to eat the brain of the person from the previous marriage so they invite Doyle to the bachelor party in order to trap him and try to eat his brain and Angel saves the day. So that's basically the premise of the episode. So let's get through my notes here. Angel's reading or looking at a picture of Buffy. So this is just a setup. Oh my God. Where is I will remember you? Oh fuck. That's next week guys. Okay. So they're trying to set it up that like, so in the beginning of this episode, Angel is like reading a book and later Doyle is like flipping through the book while talking to Angel about something and a fucking headshot of Sarah Michelle Gellar falls out like it's really like they could have picked a better picture that looked like an actual picture that Angel might have of Buffy it could have even been like a high school picture or something I don't know like something it was terrible but anyway a picture of Buffy falls out of the book he's using a picture of Buffy as his bookmark or something or else he was just sitting there staring at a picture of her that's quite possible. Why isn't he staring at a drawing that he did of her? That is more characteristic of Angel. That's what he should have been doing. But that's just a setup that, you know, he's not over Buffy. And, um, and Doyle says some weird ass shit, like whatever. He's just like, who's this? Your old squeeze? And he talks about how fucking hot she is and would she be interested in me? blah 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 which is dumb so it's just more misogynistic bullshit in this episode as well <sighs> anyway they're just trying to set it up because next week we're gonna get the crossover episode Buffy's going to go to see him and he's gonna save her and he's going to like be human for a second and they're gonna have a bunch of sex but then they have to do something where only he can remember it. So we're actually probably going to talk a lot more about Angel next week than this week. Um, since there's going to, it's a crossover episode and it's heartbreaking because it's the only time Buffy gets to have 
great sex with Angel and she doesn't even get to fucking remember it? Bullshit. We'll talk about it next week. Um, so let me just get through my notes here. I don't really care about this. There's going to be a lot of like Angel episodes I really don't care about. So let me just read the notes. Cordelia's date is boring. Purple hair, purple vinyl pants. Don't know why I wrote that. Somebody had purple hair and purple vinyl pants at some point. Oh, I think it was in the like um, Doyle and Angel like go fight like a demon or a vampire nest or something. Cordelia's date leaves her alone. So he's just like a total douchebag type that she's on a date with. And she's like trying to be her old self and go out trying to go out with rich guys and blah, blah, blah. But she just can't force herself to do that kind of shit anymore. She's changed. She's evolved. Um, at one point she even says the words, all of a sudden rich and handsome isn't enough for me. Um, Doyle's wife, she wants to get married. He's a demon. Angel stalking new boy. He's a demon. Harry's an ethno demonologist. So at one point she, which I guess she was inspired when she found out that Doyle was a demon when they were, when they were married, she started studying demons. So she became an ethno demonologist. Sounds legit, right? Um, nice word there. Ritual eating of the first husband's brains, lobster bib, Harry and Cordelia doing research. So this was one I always keep track with the Angel episodes if they pass the Bechdel test. This one did. Um, there are some conversations between Harry, the first wife of Doyle, first wife wife of Doyle, and Cordelia. Um, it's probably the only instance of it passing, I'm sure. Um, and then I wrote down this quote. Oh, please, Uncle John, when was the last time you stopped watching ESPN to slaughter a she-goat? Um, there was a little moment right before, who said, look at the way clothes hang on him? Somebody said that about Angel, I don't remember who, but I was just thinking, damn, he's wearing like a plum silk shirt or something? Like, Angel's looking good, he's in his prime right now, he's looking good. Um, I usually don't think that about Angel, but there you go. Okay, and then the episode of Angel ends with Doyle having a vision, because he has visions. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that before, but he does. Um, sent by the powers that be of things that he needs to pay attention to, evil he needs to fight, blah, blah, blah. And the vision that he has at the very end of the episode includes Buffy. And of course he recognizes Buffy because he saw the picture that fell out of Angel's book at the very beginning of the episode. So there you go. Um, I already closed my notes and I didn't even give you any ratings of that Angel episode. You can see how much I love it. Okay. I gave it the exact same score as the last episode of Angel. Um, as far as treatment of women, Harry is shown as like a pretty interesting character. They're not too sexist towards her. There is a stripper in the episode during the bachelor party, which is just a dumb thing. Not to say that there's anything wrong with stripping, of course, but um, just the way that it's like taken as a given in any bachelor party situation is just such a fucking trope. Um, 
there really aren't any women in this episode except for there is one there are some female family members of the new guy of Harry's there's Harry and then there's um Cordelia and just it's gonna be just very bereft of women until until Fred shows up essentially that's really the only other girl we ever get on Angel is Fred right like who else do we get as a recurring female character on Angel the series we do get Harmony in the last season we get like Lila the evil lawyer chick we get some other evil evil warrior lawyer chick at one point it's just like where are all the women in this show there just aren't any women in Angel for the most part we get Cordelia and we later get Fred and that is pretty much it um, so passing the Bechtel test is not always going to happen on Angel, but it did in this episode. Um, our little blonde girls that Angel needs to save count is still at five. I'll, of course, that's going to go up to six in the next episode because we'll go back to the original little blonde that Angel needs to save, which is Buffy in the next episode. Um, so I gave it a two for treatment of women and a two for overall enjoyability of the episode. So this episode gets a four, just like the last one. So that is it, guys. That's all I have to say about these two terrible episodes that we watched this week. It will be better next week because the Thanksgiving episode, Pangs of Buffy, is really... Hmm, shit. There's going to be some... We're going to have to have some, like, discussions about racism... I think there's probably going to be some problematic shit going on in that episode. Um, but overall, I remember it as being a funny episode of Buffy. And then the episode of Angel is going to rip our hearts out a little bit. Um, but also, this is the last time we're going to have to see some bullshit drama between Angel and Buffy. Like, we will never have to see it again. Well, I mean, we'll see. He's going to cross over to... He's going to cross over onto Buffy in a couple of weeks. And there's going to be a little bit of drama. But not to the extent of the drama that we're going to see. But it's kind of sweet. It's kind of sweet to get to see them get together and actually have a moment together. Um, which, of course, I should just not talk about until next week. It's going to be sad, though. We'll get into it. Um, hope you guys have a great week. Um, I've been a little brain dead this week. It's just I've worked a lot of extra hours at work, and um, I just don't get two days off in a row anymore. And I probably complained about that before, but that's just the way that my life is working out right now. And it's it's just a little stressful, and I'm a little tired, and I've got all these things that I do and I love doing them but sometimes one of those things is gonna suffer so I'm sorry that I probably didn't really have any smart thoughts tonight but at least you guys got that awesome theme song right um, and we're gonna have those those weeks where it's just like okay well I don't know what to say about I just don't feel like I know what to say about either of these episodes just like yeah 
I'm so far the way that I'm feeling about discussing Angel with any kind of depth is I'm not really enjoying it. I mean, I've kept it pretty light on myself. I watched the episode once without pausing and I take notes and that is it. Um, but, and I listen to a podcast about Angel too, but I don't, that's not like a hard and fast rule. Like I, I try to listen, but if I don't make it through the whole episode, fine. Doesn't matter. Um, so I'm not doing a ton of research on Angel, but I don't know. It's just, it's not holding up to a lot of scrutiny. It's not holding up to thought. So I might need to figure out a way to like think about the angel show even less, <laughs> but I'm not going to stop watching it on the day because I like doing that. I, I enjoy it enough to at least watch it um, under the lens of this project of watching every episode 20 years later. So hopefully you guys do too. Let me know what you think about anything that I do or anything you think I should do or how much you love the new theme song. Mixtress Radio at Gmail is where you can send your emails. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, see you guys next week. Bye.